0: hey you came out on a really great weekend because this weekend we are we are beginning a a brand new series a brand new collection of talks uh entitled don't call me a christian don't call me a christian and uh and really we want to kind of explore what does it even mean to be a christian like what does this term mean because in a lot of ways we we throw this term around and kind of and just loosely use it. In, mo- in most regards, we kind of use the term Christian like it's an adjective of sorts, don't we? Like, like oh, we listen to Christian music, or, or that's like Christian chicken, you know, you know what I mean? And, and, and like we use it to describe certain things, which is, which is kind of funny, and yeah, I think it's okay to do that. I just, I'm just not sure that sometimes we don't water down what it, what it really means. And so this morning... This morning, we want, we want to begin a, a brand new series called Don't Call Me a Christian. I want to speak specifically from a message entitled Christian 101. Okay, Christian 101. We're going to just kind of start at the beginning. And if you allow me, if you allow me to do this, for those of you who have been a part of Ethos for some time, uh, there's going to be some things that we say this morning that, that you have become familiar with. And, and that's a good thing. That's, that's a good thing. And, and and in fact I just feel like today we have to build a foundation because over the next 5 weeks we're going to dive into this but today is just the kind of the foundational level okay so we got to just kind of dig in for a moment build a foundation and we're going to and then we're going to build we're going to build upon that I just want to want to pray one more time because we just believe here at Ethos that apart from God we're just we're not, we're just playing church here we don't we really don't want to play church so I want to invite you as we pray this morning to really engage and ask the ask ask God himself as we pray, ask God himself to speak to you this morning. I really believe that God honors bold prayers like that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would make up the distance between what I've prepared to say and what you want to speak to the hearts and the minds of every single person in here, including all the kids back in their classrooms today. And Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to come together, be encouraged in the relationships with the people around us. And we would ask, too, God, that we would just grow further in our understanding of how much you love us, how much you care for us. Father, we thank you that our offense yesterday scored 42 points. Our defense led up zero. And now bring a national championship and a Super Bowl to your favorite team, the Philadelphia Eagles. In Jesus' name, everybody who agreed said, amen, amen, amen. Amen. Um, you know, I think all of us, all of us are sort of known for something, right? Like, like among your friend group or maybe in your family as, as a mom or a dad, there is something that your kids or, or your friends or your teacher, your, your peers, when they think about you, they think about something very specific about you. Like, like for instance, um, what, what is, what are some of your favorite condiments? Just think about this for a second. How many of y'all love ketchup? Can I see your hands? You love you. You put some ketchup on pretty much everything. How about how about ranch? We have a bunch of ranch people in here. Come on, somebody. There's a lot more ranch people than our ketchup people. It's crazy. I am. Um, I I I'm pretty well known for a particular condiment. Um, I really like mustard. Now I don't keep the yellow mustard. Or I'm sorry, keep the keep the honey mustard away. Keep the Dijon, the stadium. I just want plain old original yellow mustard. And when I say I like mustard, um, it, it would be safe to say that I love mustard. Like there's there's like. My wife, my kids, Jesus, and then like mustard might be just a little bit higher, you know. I'm just kidding, kidding, kidding. But but like like I put mustard on my I put mustard on my sandwiches, my burgers, my my, my French fries, which was that's not entirely strange to some people, but like I put mustard on my pizza, on my lasagna, like like on crackers. Like now, now it freaks some people out and it grosses them out. So I don't do it around people who don't know me very well because I get some weird looks. And I'm pretty sure they would never come to Ethos Church as a result. And so I just choose to hold some things back, you know. But, but like, if you know me, you know that I really like mustard. In fact, we had some friends in town this week, and they were over at our house uh, yesterday afternoon, and I was eating some turkey with some crackers, just putting the turkey on the cracker, and I was squeezing some mustard on it. And my friend, we haven't hung out in a while, he was like, I totally forgot how much, like, of a mustard freak you are, you know. And I was like, yeah, I really, I still really like mustard. It hasn't, it hasn't changed. In fact, in fact, I'm so well-known for liking mustard that I can't remember, true story, I can't remember the last time that on my birthday somebody didn't give me a bottle of mustard. Like, it's that well-known. And all of us sort of have something. In fact, I'm going to throw some pictures up of some people, some famous people. And, and, and pretty much unanimously, there are some common, uh, specific adjectives or words that we would use to describe this person unanimously. let's throw this picture up. First picture, DJ. Steve Jobs. First thing you think of when you think of DJ, Steve Jobs is it's probably Apple, Ingenuity, great phones, like, you know, Mac, whatever. The, the, next, the next individual we put up there, Oprah. Like we think of Oprah and we think of equality, women's rights, entrepreneur, crazy loaded rich, right? Like, like <laughs> we put the next picture up and we think of basketball, championship. Thank you, LeBron. Even though you left us, we're still grateful for you, right? Like, like we all kind of noticed that I used a Cavs jersey, not a Lakers picture, and then, but, but then, then this next one, we think of national championship 2020. Thank you, Jesus, right? Like, like all, like there are some, there are some common things that, that come to our attention, that come to our mind as soon as we see some of these pictures. Now, now, Now I'm gonna put a word up on the screen here, and and I just want you to think, what's the first thing you think about as soon as you see this word? Christian. If if we were to do a survey in here today, even in here, all in the same church, there would be so many different definitions, so many different things that people would say as it relates to what is what's a Christian. Who, who, who's a Christian? What, what makes a Christian? What, what distinguishes or specifies somebody as a Christian? In fact, in, 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 in some regards, if, if we were just to take a microphone to the streets and record everybody's responses, we would get people on all different sides of the, of this, of this definition. Because in one sense, if somebody were to ask you this morning, just straight up, are you a Christian? Would you say yes? Or would you say yes, but... Or would you say, no, but, and, and maybe for, for some of you, you, you were kind of raised in an environment where a Christian was determined by what you believe, while others were raised in an environment that a Christian was determined by the way that, way that you behaved. And if, you were, if you were like me, I, I, was, I was raised in a church where, where you became a Christian by praying a prayer. But in some churches, in some, in some kind of denominations and sects of, of, of Christianity, you become a Christian through baptism or baptism or through through confirmation, and some of us grew up thinking that your brand, or your church, and where you grew up, was the true brand, the true church, right, you, you know what I mean, and like like every other church, they're not, they're not doing it right, nope, it's us, it's, it's we, we go to church on Sunday night, and so we're the true brand, you know, like, like we do, we, how many times do you go to church in a week, three, I go, I go 16 times in one week, you know, you're like, wow, superhero Jesus, it's amazing, like, but and this is, but we all kind of have different understandings in one sense of what a what a Christian really is, and, and and if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we even look at certain parts of Christianity, and we we think, oh well, those those Protestants or those Catholics, those liberal Episcopalians, those money hungry megachurches, those flaky Pentecostals, those narrow minded Baptists, they're not real Christians, right? Like this is kind of what we're trained to think about. About, Christ, about Christianity. And then some people would say this, I mean, I used to be a Christian, but I'm not one anymore. And then other people would say, no, 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 no. no. Once a Christian, always a Christian. Once saved, always saved. Like we find people on all different sides of the tracks and still all, meanwhile, under this same general umbrella of, of Christianity. And yet then there's a whole separate side of the tracks. A whole large group of people who say, "I hate Christians," and, and, and in some regards, because because people kind of think that my profession, that what my wife Courtney and I, what what we do, it's like you're a professional Christian. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of funny. I wish you could see the response. Sometimes we we try really hard not to tell people that we're pastors because. Because sometimes, like, you can get some really strange responses from people. People who will completely shut down, shun you kind of back away, while others who just cuss in your presence are like, oh, shoot, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have said that, you know? And I'm like, no, it's okay. Like, it's fine. But it's just funny how people respond when they discover that I'm a professional Christian. <laughs> I think in a lot of ways, there's this general stereotype outside of Christianity where people kind of, kind of think of Christians like this. Let's throw this, throw this definition up there. That Christians are judgmental, homophobic moralists who think they are the only ones going to heaven and secretly relish the fact that everybody else is going to hell. You know? And yet, and yet, none of this, if we just pause for a moment, none of this, I'm not sure why I keep holding my water this morning. I'm like, it's like my instrument up here. I, don't, I have ADHD, by the way. None of this, None of this is, is defined in the, in the Bible. You, you see none of this, none of this in the scriptures. Now there was a large group of people in the first three centuries who hated Christians, but it was not because they felt judged by Christians. It was actually because they didn't like that people were leaving their pagan religions, including Judaism, to come and join the church. They felt threatened by the growth of Christianity, not because they felt threatened by the judgment of those who were who were Christians. In fact, think about this for a moment. That the term Christian, the term Christian, we only see it on three different occasions in the Bible, only three different times. And at no time in the scriptures when we see this term referenced, do we ever see it referenced by people who were Christians. It was always outsiders in a derogatory manner who were calling insiders Christians. The very first time that we see this term Christian identified is in Acts chapter 11, verse 26, where it says the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. The the first century Christians never called themselves Christians, it was just outsiders who closely looked at those, those Christians and they coined this term for them because it was, it was a descriptive title that they used because they noticed these people are following Jesus Christ really closely in the teachings of Jesus and they're kind of acting like Jesus. And people literally thought, true story, that the last name of Jesus was Christ. Like there's Mary Christ, Joseph Christ, and Jesus Christ. It's a true story. This is how the term Christian came about. And people were like, oh, you're one of those Christos, was the early language that they spoke. And over time, it began translating into Christian. But insiders, Christians, never—they never, they never called themselves Christians. And, and the reason is because Christian, that term Christian, can be defined and redefined over and over and over again. But there's another word, there's another word, that the Christians use to identify themselves that is entirely more specific, entirely more descriptive, entirely more convicting than the term Christian. In fact, that term Christian in the early centuries was very derogatory. It was sort of like the term redneck or geek. Somebody who's a who's a who's a redneck or a geek wouldn't say, I'm a redneck, you know. Well, maybe some, I guess, like, isn't Jeff, what's that comedian? Jeff Foxworthy, I, mean, I guess he, so he kind of made it cool, but, but, but like for the most part, for the most part, somebody who was, who was labeled Christian wouldn't have walked around and said, I'm a Christian! Because that, that was very derogatory. It was kind of demeaning. It was a very facetious term to use in the early centuries of, of Christianity. They use it an entirely, an entirely different, entirely different term. In fact, the term that they used was this term disciple. Now the term disciple can't be redefined and defined in any other way than what Jesus categorized a disciple to be. Because think about a Christian for a moment, a Christian for a moment. We got Republican Christians. We got Democrat Christians who are warring against each other on Fox News and on CNN, both under this umbrella of Christian. We've got We've got Christians in one church and Christians in another church, both competing against each other, all under the title of Christian. We've got we've got we've got one wife and then we've got another husband, both in one sense, in one sense with different views mistreating one another, both under the umbrella of Christian. Like this has just become the general, like Chris, the term Christian has become so watered down that we don't even really know what it actually means. And yet the reason for that is because Jesus never used that term himself. He used the term, he used the term disciple. And if we had gotten this right when Jesus first gave us and introduced what a disciple is actually meant to be defined as, I, I would go so far as to say that there's a really good chance we would have never experienced a civil war in our country. Had Christians actually lived up to the defining specific characteristics that Jesus described his disciples to be all about, I, don't, I, don't, I think there'd be very little racism in our country today. In, in John chapter 13, Jesus introduces for us, Jesus introduces for us what it really looks like to follow him. And he says this in John chapter 13. At the very end of Jesus' life, he's only got a couple more lessons with the guys that are gonna carry this message that he came to proclaim. He's only got a couple more hours to kind of download his DNA into his people, into his disciples, and he says this. So now I'm gonna give you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my, what? My disciples, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my, not Christians, that you are my, that you're my disciples. What's Jesus really saying here? He's saying, as I have loved you, I want you to love other people. And if you love other people like I love you, then people will know that you're my disciple. You can't confuse that with anything other than what Jesus described a disciple to be identified as. Think about this for just a moment. Here Jesus is giving this final command, this new command. He's trying to download this love commandment into his original early followers. There's 11 guys here seated around a table. It's referenced as the Last Supper. You've probably seen pictures of it before. Big table, long dinner. Jesus is eating a meal with his buds just before he's about to go to the cross. Just about, about to be beaten and brutally bloodied hanging on the cross. And he's just hanging out with his buds. Judas has already left to betray him he's like hey guys love one another, as I have loved you, I want you to love one another, guys I'm not gonna be with you very much longer but I need you to know this you've got to love one another as I have loved you I don't want you to love one another like you saw your mom love one another. I don't want you to love one another like you saw your dad love one another, I want you to love one another like you saw me love you. Hey, Matthew, remember, remember when I first met you? you? You remember that? Matthew's like, yeah, I, I remember. Remember how you were just a, just kind of a despicable tax gatherer, just collecting, just just kind of beating up on the poor folks and, and just making yourself richer? And Matthew's like, yeah, yeah, that feels like forever ago, Jesus. I, I know, but do you remember, remember what I said Do you? Remember how I told you, hey, come follow me? Matthew's like, Yeah. Remember what we did that night, Matthew? He's like, yeah, 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 we went, we went back to my place because I had a party already planned and a bunch of my tax-collecting buddies were there. And I mean, it was, that was kind of a crazy party, Jesus. I can't believe you even came to that. And, and John and Peter off to the side, like, yeah, I never did tell my mom about that one, you know? <laughs> and, and Jesus is like, yeah, but, but remember how I was still like, come follow me? He's like, yeah, I remember. Hey, Nathaniel, do you, do you remember? Remember when we first met? Nathaniel's like, oh, Jesus, come on, man. Yeah, I remember. He's like, yeah, man, remember the first thing you said? You were like, hey, can, can anything really actually good come out of Nazareth? Nathaniel, that was my hometown, man. You were dissing my whole family. Nathaniel's like, yeah, I, I, did, I ever say, did I ever apologize for that? I'm sorry about that, Jesus. No, no, I'm just, remember, remember Nathaniel how I, I still said, come follow? I told you just come, just come follow me? Yeah. Hey, guys, hey, guys, hey, guys, all 11 guys, hey, hey. Remember when I gave that vampire sermon and I was talking about eating my flesh and drinking my blood? Remember that? And, like, none of you had any idea what I was talking about? And Peter's like, I still don't really know what you're talking about, Jesus. You know? He's like, but remember how, like, everybody wanted to leave me and, and some of you all wanted to leave me too? And remember how I never left you, though? I, I, kept, I just, I just kind of stayed faithful to you. He's like, yeah, I, I remember that, Jesus. I want you to love people like that. I want, you, I want you to do that with, with one another. In fact, if you do that, if you do that, it's not going to be the miracles that I did. It's not even going to be all the things that I said. It's going to be the way that you treat one another, that the world will actually know that you're my disciple. You're, you're, you're my disciple. It's really interesting because I think sometimes, sometimes, as disciples, as followers of Jesus, we are meant to kind of be like a doctor in one sense. Like like we have hope for humanity. Like we we have something to offer people in the form and the person of Jesus Christ. And, and yet sometimes I think that we're more like doctors who refuse to visit the sick in fear that we would be injured with, with their infection. Sometimes I find that that certain groups of, of Christians are more concerned with criticizing than we are with encouraging, more concerned with diagnosing the disease than we are with helping to find a cure, more concerned with judging In critiquing than we are with coming alongside and helping and encouraging and saying, hey, man, no, we're in this thing together. Come and follow me as I follow follow Jesus. I kind of grew up in one sense thinking that, like, nobody really wanted to know about Jesus because I just kind of thought, I mean, after all, like, like church is boring and church and God are kind of the same and sin is kind of fun. And so why would anybody really want to know about the boring thing when we can just participate in the fun thing? But over time, I begin to discover that, man, like, I, I think actually everybody wants to know about the reality of who Jesus really is. But sometimes I wonder, though, are Christians, under the covering of Christianity, are we the reason why so many people don't want to know about Jesus? I'm reminded in this moment of that quote from Mahatma Gandhi, and I can i don't know that I'm going to get it correct. I'm just kind of thinking of it right now. And Gandhi was an extremely influential follower of, of Hindu religion, and, and yet he said this. He said this. He he said he said he said if Christians acted more like Christ, all of India would be Christians. In fact, another point he even said. I like your Christ, I just don't like your Christians. I thought man, here we are with the greatest leader of all time. The greatest opportunity to lean into showing people who Jesus really is, and sometimes we're more concerned with just ourselves. I started thinking about this a little bit this week as it relates to kind of year number 2 as we're as we're as we're continuing to grow as a church, and of course, next weekend, we're celebrating our, our one year in existence as a church. We've got a, a great time coming up next week, and hope, hope, you can, hope you can make it out. But I started thinking about this this, this past week, and, and, I, and I started thinking, you know, Jesus, he, he seemed to let people belong with him long before they ever believed or long before they ever behaved. That, that Jesus never really saw people as a project, he never really saw them as, a, as an interruption to what he was trying to do in, in life. He just, he just saw people for who they really are. He dug beneath the surface and saw the gold in all of, in all of humanity. And when he gave this commandment in John chapter 13, I think what Jesus is, is trying to say is, is this. He's saying, I want you, I want, I want you all, guys, I want you to build a community of people that is defined by their love for one another. It's interesting because I grew up in church, and if you if you just allow me to kind of rant for a moment, I find, I find it almost comical at times how many people are like, I want to go into the deep things of God. And I'm like, man, I think the deepest thing we can do is to learn to love our neighbor. But I want to know more about, like, I don't know, end times. Like, well, good luck. Because nobody really knows what's going on in the end times. Like, But, but like, come on, let's can we, can, we, can, we kind of, can we kind of get past the elementary stuff? Yeah, 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 we can. Let's, let's talk about love. Jesus seemed to think that if we just learn to love each other like he loved us, that that is the deepest place that we could ever be. In fact, over this past year, I've been, I've been reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the, the four accounts, the four gospel accounts of Jesus, and I'm just trying, I'm trying, I'm trying just to study and look at how Jesus loved people. And I, and I began to realize here that there's really only two places in the scriptures where we see Jesus give some sort of promise attached to something that we do as it relates to John chapter 13. Jesus says in John 13, if you love each other, then the world will know that you are my disciples. And in John chapter 17, Just a few hours after he's hanging out with his guys and gave this command in John chapter 13, he begins to pray all by himself in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's about, he's literally at this point just moments away from being from being beaten and hung on the cross. And he begins to pray this, his final prayer to the Father before he gets to the cross. He says in John 17, verse 21, my prayer is not just for them alone. I pray also for all those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, and you in you and me, So that they may be brought to complete unity. Complete unity. Complete unity. Then the world will know, then the world will know when they're in complete unity that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Here again, Jesus gives us a similar response to his his commandment in John 13 if you love one another, everybody's gonna know there's something different about you. If, if you love one another as I have loved you, if you love your spouse as I have loved you, people from the outside are gonna look in and say there's something different about you. If you as an employer treat your employees like Jesus treats you, people from the outside are gonna look in and say there's something different about you. If you as an employee treat your non-Christian employer, with honor and respect, like Jesus would treat them with honor and respect, the rest of the employees who are talking trash about their employer are going to look at you and say, there's something different about you. If as parents we raise our children in such an environment We say, I'm not always gonna get it right. In fact, I'm probably gonna screw up more than I get it right, but I am on a mission to love my kids and to treat my kids, to treat other people like Jesus wants to love other people. Other people will say, there's something different about you. Then he says in John chapter 17, I'm about to close this thing up here. He says in John chapter 17, he says, if you live in unity, then everybody's gonna know. Because if you love each other well, then everybody's gonna know that I love them too. It doesn't seem to make sense because we kinda think that like, we gotta learn more about evangelism. And I'm not saying that we don't. but I'm just saying I think the greatest tool of evangelism that Jesus taught was learning to love each other well. I'm not not discrediting anything else that that we teach, anything else that that needs to be taught from the scriptures. I'm I'm not discrediting that at all. I'm just saying that it all is built on the foundation of learning to love one another well. And that if we get this wrong, it doesn't even matter if we get everything else right. Because we have gotten the foundation all sorts of out of whack. If we don't learn to love one another well. God is so for unity. Church, I'm telling you, there is something so radically beautiful about a community of people who are living in unity on a mission to love one another well. The world will look at that type of a community and say, I want in on that. Because never before, at least in my generation, has there ever been something so cross-cultural as to actually live in unity and not be divisive and be okay with division. We're so okay with divisive behavior today. We're so okay with, with disharmony and disunity. It's become so normal for us to, to trash other people all under the umbrella of Christianity. It has become become okay even as the political season begins to ramp up for us to bash other candidates all in the name of the Bible. Telling you, we are getting it wrong. I wasn't planning on sharing any of this today. I just feel like I want, like, 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 (laughs) I just think sometimes we are just so misplaced in the way that we think this thing is supposed to look. We have an opportunity. We have an opportunity, and somebody can help me close this thing out on keys. When I say I'm about to close it out, that's like Colton's cue to come help me shut up. <laughs> we, have, we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to, to display unity in a way that we never thought would be possible in our first year as a church. I so love what God is doing here. I'm telling you, man. I, I, I literally don't care what part our church plays in our city, I just am grateful that we get to be a part of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ in our city. I'm just so grateful that we get to partner with Life Point and Adventure Church in Rock City and Faith Life and all these other incredible, amazing churches all over our city who are doing great things to share the good news of Jesus Christ. I don't care what part we get to play. I don't even care what part I play here at Ethos Church. I just want to keep being a part i love what god is doing and i'm telling you that other people are starting to notice what god is doing here at ethos too because as we approach our one year celebration our one year anniversary the 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 number of people who keep telling me who are part of ethos who are like man it just feels healthy and like and i I love it because for us as a church my wife and i've said from the beginning we're just going to pursue health over growth because healthy things grow but growing things aren't always healthy and so we try to make decisions that are like, is this healthy for our team? Is this healthy for our servant leaders? We're experiencing some, some growing pains over the last few weeks in trying to figure out how to make some more space in the parking lot and on a Sunday morning. And, and I love it. And we've talked about, should we go to two services? And we're like, it's not healthy for our team yet. We've we got to continue to build our team up. And so we'll sacrifice a little bit of growth on a Sunday morning in order to stay healthy within our servant leadership teams. We just, we just want to be healthy. We want to live in unity we want to live in love with one another and a couple months ago really about two months ago now there was another church in our community who began to kind of look at what we were doing here at ethos and and started to lean into what we were doing and we started having conversations in fact we were already in relationship and in friendship with this church for quite some time we were kind of hanging out in the same locations and and they're only about two two three miles away from us right now maybe about four miles actually away from where we're meeting right now in fact in fact We've always said from the beginning that as a church we're better together. And we don't just just mean that like Tyler is better together with Tess and that Tess is better together with Weston and Weston's better together with with Kevin. That's that's not what we mean. We we literally mean that as as a portion of the body here in Columbus, Ohio, our church is better because all these other incredible, amazing churches exist within our city. There's There's a great young church in Westerville called Church in the Wild, pastored by Jason Williams. Jason's a good friend of mine. They're going to celebrate their one-year anniversary one week after us. And I was talking to Jason this past week, and I said, Jason, isn't it cool to think about for the next 30 years that we're going to be serving the same people, the same city together? He's like, man, it is. I told Jason, I said, Jason, let's be 60 years old just being like those old pastors in our city, just being like, you know what, if there's a new church plant that's planting in our city, let's be those pastors who are like, Like, hey, let's raise a bunch of support. Let's encourage these pastors, help plant their church. They're only two miles away from us. We need more great churches in our city, reaching the people of our communities. Like, let's be those pastors. You want to be those pastors, Jason? He's like, I do want to be those pastors, Jordan. I said, let's do that then, man. And so back to what I originally was trying to say, and I'm getting way off track here. My wife's probably thinking, Jordan, are you ever going to get back on point here? We're running out of time. And I am, babe. Sorry. Sorry. And so, so there's this church, North Church. They're about nine years old. And, and they meet at Orange Middle School, just up the road here. And, and they've been without a pastor uh, for since, since last December. In fact, their, their pastor just started feeling some transition um, last spring, 2018. And and after just prayerful consideration, he just felt like there was a new season for him. And, and so as a church, they just kind of went, excuse me, they, 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 they gathered together a team. And the, their elders started looking for kind of what they were going to do next. How, how are they going to? Are they going to get another pastor? Who are they going to choose, and all that sort of thing? And, and over the course of time, we we begin to have some conversations with them, and they approached us, and they and they said, "Hey, um, what do you think about merging together?" And I said, "Hey, man, well, that, that's awesome. We, we'd be we, we'd be all about that. But 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 man, we really feel my wife and I really feel called to Ethos Church, and we came here to plant Ethos with the vision of Ethos, the leadership of Ethos, the mission of Ethos, the culture of Ethos, the DNA of Ethos, and we we really love what God is doing, and so we just we don't we don't feel like we can compromise that right now but what we would love to invite you to do is to be a part of what God is doing here and they said yeah that's that's actually what we want to do we, what, what what if we just kind of merged with you and just kind of came up under you and just because what we recognize is that what you guys are doing is is very similar to what what we what we want to do and we and we love what you guys are doing and we just we just want to be a part of it Could, would would that be okay if we just kind of came and and were a part of it and we we're like yeah, let's pray about it. And so we, we sought the counsel of our board. We sought the counsel of, of our stewardship team who, who is our elders. And we began to kind of navigate this process. And after prayerful consideration, all of us unanimously, and we said, we're, like, we're not gonna do this unless all of us unanimously feel like this is the right decision to do because I really believe that God blesses unity. And together we all talked about it. And after, after lots of prayer and lots of conversation, we said, we really feel like this is what the Lord is calling us calling us to do. And so, so as of October the 13th, so in about a month from now, we're going to be coming together as, as one church. All under, Nothing's changed about ethos, the leadership, the vision, nothing's changed about ethos. But we're going to be coming together as, as one church, as one body. They're announcing it to their church this morning. And here, here's what I really believe. I really believe that as we come together in unity with this, with this new family, as we, as we adopt this new family into our community, that there's something so beautiful about unity that God is gonna bless it. And that even, even, can we just think about this for a moment? As a church, I just feel like you all are family. I know there's some new, I know there's some new people in here today. We we have new folks every single week. And and but for those of you who have been a part of Ethos, I just I just wanna say thank you. Thanks for just doing what you do so well already. Just loving people. We we do, we have a really simple mission as a church. We, we just want to love people well. And we, we've got some great people in this church, man, who are helping us figure out how to, I'm not really that smart, to be honest. I just like to talk and have the gift of gab. And so I just tell Courtney oftentimes, I'm like, I'm, I'm the vocal piece, but like I, I, don't, I don't really even, I don't know what we're doing half the time. And we just have a lot of great people who are just, we're just learning together. How do we love all people so that all people could know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference? Just want to, we just want to lean into that. So I just want to say thank you to you all who have been on this journey with us. And thank you to you all who are even just thinking about joining in on this journey and being a part of what God is doing here at Ethos. Because I really believe this, that the best days are yet to come. That our future is so bright. That as a result of what's happening here as we merge together, God's blessing is going to be on this thing, man. I have not been able to escape this psalm in Psalm 133. I mean, since we started talking about this, this psalm has just been coming up within me over and over and over again. I've been reading it nonstop and it simply says this. It says how good and pleasant it is when God's people, when God's people live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. And then verse three says this. It's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion for there, talking about how good and pleasant it is when God's people live in unity, for there the Lord, in unity there, the Lord commands his blessing Even life forevermore. It doesn't say that the Lord just kind of says, hey, you want my blessing? It says that when God's people live together in unity, there the Lord commands his blessing. He's like, I love that what's going on right there. I love how they're fighting for unity. I love how when divisive behavior creeps up, and it will. I love how when people kind of grow in discord, and that'll happen. I love how when people don't seem to get along, and that's, that's that's just humanity. But I love how they fight to become unified again. I love how they refuse to talk bad about each other because nothing good comes as a result of downplaying. Uh, There's there's this guy I I look up to. He's passed away years and years ago, but he he says this. He says, blowing out another man's candle will never cause yours to burn brighter. I love how if we just choose to just keep lighting other people's candles. Man, you're amazing. I thought you didn't even like me. Ah, I used to not like you. I love you now. I don't really like you that much, but I do love you, and I'm learning how to like you. You know I love I'm gonna command my blessing there and so today it was a little bit different and I know that so if this is your first Sunday I, I always encourage anybody whether it's our church or another church don't just check out a church one time come for at least three four or five weeks and really kind of kick some tires and see yourself kind of make yourself aware of what's going on here before you make a decision as to whether our church or another other is right for you but but I know today was a little bit different I just kind of wanted to set up what God is doing in fact, on September 29th, September 29th, we're going to be doing another Park Day event. Ethos and North are going to come together. And then on October 13th, as I mentioned, we're going to officially merge together. You'll hear more information about all of that in the weeks to come. But, but I, I'm really excited about what God's doing, and I hope that you are too. And again, I, just, I want to say thank you, because this isn't about me and my wife. It's not about our family. We never wanted to build a church. I, I never wanted to be a part of a church. That was just about the pastors. I just, I always want to be a part of a community of people who really were in this thing together. And I really just sense so strongly, we sense so strongly, that's exactly what's happening here.